I'm Kelsey, compulsive overeater, anorexic bulimic. Thank you for the perfect setup. I was going to begin by sharing my travel journey here today. <laughs> um, I uh, So my wife and I have one car and my wife works in Bellevue from 4 to 8 today. Um, and I take the light rail to work in North Seattle. So I had quite a journey looking up the bus schedule um, to try to make it here. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, on my uh, journey, I was, you know, meticulously and obsessively looking at all of the directions and what time the bus was going to drop me off because God forbid anything bad happen or I miss my stop or I go to the wrong place or anything. I need to obsessively look at all those details, which is a great description of my dieting history. Um, and... I get to my stop, but I don't know it's my stop until we're at the stop and the bus driver opens the doors, announces the stop, closes the doors and takes right off. And I'm like, whoa, I'm on the bus still. Um, <laughs> there's probably about 10 minutes between that stop and the next stop. And the woman next to me is like, okay, well, you know, you'll need to get off and then go across the street and catch the bus going the other direction and catch it back. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, I understand the logic of taking a bus lady. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I don't need that help, um, which is a great example of the way that I'm able to isolate myself from other people. Um, and so, of course, I get off the bus and I'm all resentful and pissed off. And I'm like, God, you know, everybody in Bellevue doesn't know where they're going. Like they have to announce the stops earlier, <laughs> you know, um, just like all my entitled thinking coming in. Um, and then of course I cross the street and it's going to take me until past seven to get here. Um, and so in the final hour I called a lift and had somebody pick me up and take me here. And I just like, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to this meeting and I'm going to want to tell this story because I'm super resentful on how is that, you know, <laughs> an example of my recovery and all of that. But I get in the lift and I have this great connection with this woman who like, I don't know what her life story is, but when she drops me off, she makes fun of me for being a Lutheran and I tell her I'm actually going to a 12 step meeting. Um, and I tell her I'm going to OA and then she felt that she had a lot to tell me about why she was overweight and all of this stuff. And so it's like, I don't know if I told her something that existed that she will need to know about, you know, in, a month or a week or years from now or she'll share it with a friend but you know it's like it's not my plan that the bus didn't drop me off where it needed to drop me off and that I had to take a lift and maybe maybe I had the opportunity to share the um the solution with somebody today who didn't know about the rooms um I told her I have been in OA for seven years and she was absolutely shocked by that um and so I just, I think about that and I just think about how easily my resentments can keep me from seeing what my higher power's path for me is and how closed off my resentments can make me. And if I weren't coming to a meeting to speak, <laughs> I would have really gotten swallowed up in that thinking. Um, but it's like, it just, I don't, I don't need to know the bigger picture of what I was involved in, in this past hour, but I just trust that, you know, I was walking the path that God laid out for me, even though it involved a, a U-turn of sorts. So anyway, all that said, I'm very grateful to be here. Um, 
Uh, the 14th is a significant day of the month for me. I came into OA February 14th of 2011. I became abstinent on May 14th of 2011, and I've been abstinent ever since. So, God willing, in two months, um, I will have seven years of abstinence from um, binging, stealing food, uh, sugary sweets, dieting, purging with exercise and peanut butter. Um, and all of those things were things that I could not stop doing when I came into recovery. Um, I came into OA by way of a, um, of a, a pay-by diet program, a very popular and well-known commercial diet program. And um, on that program, I did it for a year, and I set a goal weight, and at the and I did it much like following my directions to get on the bus. I did it obsessively and meticulously and checked and overchecked and calculated and overcalculated everything that I knew to be true, but I needed to continue to look at all those numbers because I had to be in control. Um, and when I was on that diet program, I really did it the way that only an addict can do it. Um, I. Uh, you know, it became my entire life like I did that and I was in college at the time So I did like that in school and that was it and I had no social life and I had um, Nothing else. Thank you uh, going on outside of school um, Or my diet and it's like my diet was everything that I did and I just remember like walking in between classes and Calculating all the things that I needed to calculate in order to make sure that I was still on the diet and how much more food Do I have that I can eat today and you know all of those things and um in this particular program, you can um, exercise during the day and then essentially like earn the ability to eat more food because you exercised. Um, and I decided that I really wanted to lose weight, so I was just going to exercise and be in that that deficit and then not eat on top of that. Um, and uh, I'm really trying to not use the buzzwords of this other program. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, over the course of a year, I got to goal weight. I still thought I was fat. I got past goal weight. I still thought I was fat. I got on their website. I still thought I was fat. You know, I was running um, a, three 10Ks a week. I still thought I was fat. I went to, I was studied abroad in Tahiti, and I packed a scale to weigh my body on instead of my laptop to go on the um the study abroad and um i spent the entire time literally in paradise just hating my body um and eating lettuce and eating um you know like nothing pretty much uh and running on the side of the road in a country where i didn't speak a lot of the language and um you know feeling like i was gonna collapse and pass out on the side of the road but like that wasn't that wasn't as important as being skinny was important and, um, of course I like got as low as I could possibly get and my life wasn't better. You know, I was a size double zero and I didn't have all these things that I thought being like thin was going to be the ticket to getting. Um, and the thing that I now have the perspective to see is that at that weight, I was more obsessed with food than I had ever been before because I was just looking at food all the time and food was like my reason for doing something my reason for not doing something it was all I thought about all the time I mean I had a fantasy because I had like manipulated all the counting of the program to like 
find a way to eat the biggest amount of food for the smallest amount of the things that we had to count. Um, <laughs> and you know, I had like all these like popcorn concoctions and like yogurt and blueberry concoctions. And I like just found a way to just like eat like massive quantities of food for like practically like nothing out of my like food bank account. Um, and like I had a fantasy that I was gonna like open a restaurant for people who were on this diet program where they could come and eat as much food as they wanted for like as few, you know. It's just like I was totally obsessed with food um, and my weight, but also food. And you know, it's like that had always been true my entire childhood and all the way up until the diet. Um, I, you know, my earliest memory of food is being um, like two or three years old and putting, um, you know, having like Cheerios with sugar on them and like eating the Cheerios down so I could ask for more sugar and then drinking all the milk so I could ask for more sugar and it was just like manipulating everything so I could just get like this concoction of like the sugar and the milk. And, um, you know, I remember being like eight and, you know, sneaking a whole thing of Oreos and like hiding them under the tape or hiding them under the blanket anytime somebody walked by. And, you know, I would fake sick to stay home from school so I could eat, you know, it was like all I did. And um, I spent my weekends uh, sitting in front of the mirror and trying to figure out ways to look thinner in the mirror and um, my like fantasy in um, middle school was that one day because you know I had a shit experience in middle school like everybody does and um, one day my fantasy was that one day I would show up and have taken off my fat suit and then the joke would be on everybody else you know so it was like my weight and food were just always the focal point of every decision that I made every outlook that I had on how my life was going everything so of course when I started this diet my assumption was that everything would be better and when it wasn't you know there was really nothing else to do but to go back to my very favorite thing in the world which was eating and it started with like sugar-free you know uh candies which were like minimal expense on my food budget and um you know and that was in october of 2010 and by december of 2010 i was like maxing out on my dorm um debit like account to get food I was like you know going to the vending machine several times in the middle of the night I was stealing food from my roommates constantly um you know I had started to gain back like a lot of the weight that I had lost thank you um and it was just like I made like promise after promise and bargain after bargain to like try to find a way to change my behavior and nothing that I could do could change it um and uh i knew about oa because one day when i was on the diet i like ate a whole bunch of my roommates peanut butter and i so like this is like one of those higher power moments where like i don't even know where this came from and i just had like this thought of like i am augustus gloop from um willy wonka and then I went on my computer and then this next thought was like Google search compulsive overeater, which I had never heard that term before in my entire life. But I Google searched it and I found OA on Google and I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, my diet's working for me, whatever. But I never forgot that OA existed. Um, but I was 
20 at the time and I was just like I'm too young to be in a 12 step like obviously I don't have enough life experience you know I haven't been down and out like everybody who I think is in 12 step programs has been like I don't qualify yet um and so I just kept eating for a while and um you know I tried the geographical cure I moved to try to change my behavior and like dated somebody different to try to change my behavior and you know just like all these things found new clothes or a new commute school or like whatever it would be um and a couple months later I became involved in a play and I met somebody who had four months sober in AA who was my age um and again like another total god shot like if I hadn't met her I still would have been convinced like I'm too like there aren't people my age in recovery um and the very next day and like I was binging non-stop like I was missing class I was there was a point where I turned in the same paper to two different professors and of course like a good addict was able to like manipulate my way to explain how they applied to both classes but then like I was plagiarizing myself technically and so I almost got kicked out of school it was this whole thing um but like things were falling apart and I at that time I was living in a house with 14 roommates and I was stealing hundreds of dollars of food from them every week because I just couldn't stop and I would do the thing where I would like steal it and I would go to the store to replace it and then I would know that it was in the fridge so I'd like steal it again and then I have to you know um and so I went to OA on Valentine's Day um and there was uh OA has an event every Valentine's Day called I Love OA Night which has three speakers who I'll talk about food and intimacy and um I was in this room with like 50 people and there were three speakers and they all told my story in various different ways and I just like I remember sitting in that meeting in this like you know huge bathrobe type sweater because I was like so embarrassed about my body um and looking around the room and thinking everybody in this room does my secret like not only do they know my secret but it's their secret too but to them it's not secret and just like remembering i'm getting goosebumps like that blew my mind because i thought that i was the only one um and i met my sponsor at that meeting and um she asked me to call her if i had any questions and i called her that night and i asked her to explain sponsorship to me and she was like well i can be your temporary sponsor if you want and now seven years later she's still my sponsor and she like officiated my wedding and like you know she's still my temporary sponsor as far as I'm concerned but um yeah I mean she had what I wanted and I really identified with her story she had a long history in dieting as well and binging and um she you know just told me to do what I what she was telling me to do and so she told me to go buy a big book so I went and bought a big book I had no idea what a big book was and I like opened it and I was like this has to do with alcoholics I don't understand how this applies to me but you know I just did everything that she told me to do and um she helped me identify my abstinence based on what my behaviors with food had been at that time and she um helped me to determine what safe foods for for me were and those were probably the foods that I should stick to at that moment and she helped me to determine a food plan and I was going to now there are eight nine tools but then there were eight tools and she told me to do six out of the eight tools every day if I wanted to be abstinent and I did that tirelessly and the tools are um bear with me it's like naming the seven doors um action plan <laughs> food plan meetings sponsorship service reading writing telephone and anonymity um 
the action plan is the new one. But I, you know, if I didn't want to call somebody, I called somebody or I called my sponsor because she was somebody who I was comfortable calling. And then I got to count it as telephone and sponsorship. And, you know, I just like, I did the best that I could. Um, and she told me, don't worry about being abstinent. Like abstinence is going to come to you. Thank you. Is that 15? That's 15. Thank you. Um, and so I just kept... I kept doing my deal at home with the food and I kept doing my deal with program as much as I could. And I got to the point where, you know, I had again at 10 o'clock at night, walked to Safeway, bought all my binge foods, which for me, like a standard binge was like six bagels, a case of cookies, two pints of ice cream and a tub of, um, of uh, cookie dough with Miracle Whip, like, or not Miracle Whip, sorry, um, the Ready Whip. And, um, like that was a standard binge for me. So I was like binging with a lot of food. And, um, there was a day when I got home, like I, I was just, you know, they tell like one phrase that I really love is like, get busy enough working the program that it's louder than the disease. And at some point the disease will back off, but you have to stay busy. And I was really busy. Um, and I got home with this bag it was two bags two bags of all this food that I was intending to eat that night and there was just this thought that came up like you can binge but why don't you call somebody first and so I called somebody and she answered and she stayed on the phone with me for like an hour while I fought with her and I finally put the food in the dumpster and sprayed it with dish soap and she like took me through like a head-to-toe meditation and all of that and that wasn't my last attempt at a binge like I had another binge after that but I at least had that experience under my belt and that was enough for me and one day I woke up and I didn't eat sugar and I didn't binge and I didn't try to diet my weight down and I didn't purge with exercise I didn't eat peanut butter and um, I didn't steal food and I went to bed that day that night and I was like oh my god I was abstinent for a day like I didn't do it right and that's the thing about step one is like it's not something that I can do to get rid of my disease or the symptoms of my disease or, you know, I didn't ask for it. I can't take it away. Um, I can just get busy doing the actions. And so um, once I was abstinent, um, I was able to work the steps and the steps have been for me the only solution to any problem I have ever faced <laughs> ever um like if i if i'm stumped then i'm in denial that the steps are going to work around any problem um my sponsor and i worked out of the big book i work with my sponsees out of the big book directly um we studied the history of aa um i go to aa meetings if and when i need to like get a kind of a harder hitting um you know spin on the recovery that i need um and, uh, you know, I have a morning spiritual practice that's 40 to 60 minutes long every morning. And because I start work at 7.30 and my commute is an hour and a half, that means I'm waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to have my morning spiritual practice. But that's, imp like, that's important enough for me to get started on the right foot. Um, I sponsor anywhere from four to seven people, depending on kind of what their needs are and my availability is. Um, I try to go to four meetings a week, given that I don't typically drive myself around town and my bedtime is 7.30. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but that's where phone meetings come in. Um, and you know, my recovery is 
like the bumpiest thing ever, but I'm so, and what I mean by that, let me clarify. What I mean by that is not that every now and then I'm eating a Snickers bar. What I mean by that is every now and then I'm not wanting to do the actions that my recovery requires me to do. And sometimes I slack off, like sometimes I make excuses for not making it to however many meetings in a week, or sometimes, you know, I'm kind of phoning in my morning quiet time, or sometimes, you know, I might eat something when I'm not hungry for it or whatever, but I'm so grateful that my recovery is bumpy and that my practice isn't perfect every single day. One, because I have to learn how to not be perfect because that's part of my disease. Um, dieted perfectly, binged perfectly, able to do both of those things really well. Um, and like, because my recovery is bumpy, it keeps me really damn humble and it keeps me asking for help constantly and when I catch myself feeling like I'm backed into a corner by situations that I have created as the big book says <laughs> um, and I'm not willing to ask for help that's when I get into the pain that once again motivates me to step back into recovery head first and dive back in because it's only through feeling hopeless and it's only or not hopeless it's only through feeling powerless and only through really being confused about how I'm gonna fix it and being in enough pain thank you that I'm gonna be willing to really reach for the solution that like I said works time and time again with every problem I've ever had um, and that's my time so I'll stop there thank you